Hello there and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. Today we're going to be in the book of Joshua chapter 7. If you want to follow along, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, We're going to talk about when God says wait, or if sometimes he really even says no. There are things in our life in which God really has made clear to us uh, that we can and cannot have. Then there are those things that he strictly forbids, and some things that he makes clear uh, that we're not to have enter God's b- before him. Uh, those Ten Commandments, we are simply forbidden uh, to go there and commit those sins. He also says in the New Testament we're supposed to believe in, in his son, uh, Jesus, that he lived a perfect life, he was born of a virgin, he bled, he suffered, and he died in our place so that we may have eternal life and to prove that he was God and had power over death he walked out of that grave three days later sometimes God tells us there are things in life too that uh, we can only have after he says it's alright to have those things and we're going to look again here in the book of Joshua and we're going to see one example of this of what I'm trying to get across here so in the, here in the book of Joshua, chapter 7, we, we can start off reading and see how Israel has been in a battle and God has told them uh, they cannot take anything from their enemies. Uh, they have uh, recently been with Jer- Jericho. They've knocked down the walls. Actually, God knocked them down. But uh, Joshua and his army will get credit uh, for doing that. And God has made it clear. Any spoils of war, uh, any booty, depending on your version, uh, belong to God, that they are not to take that. And so here we go. Uh, Joshua sends up a small army here, and they are going to take a big blow. You know, he, he really doesn't want his army to be worn out, and he knows that, or believes that God is, is on, him, on his side. And then when something happens, uh, he's defeated, and he's worried that once the word gets out that his army can be defeated, Everyone will come and challenge him and his army, and they won't take him serious later in the, down the road. So here in Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse 3, And, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, I Do not let all the people go up. Only about two or 3,000 men need to go to Ai. Do not make all the people toil up there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men from the people went up there. But they fled from the man of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 of their men and pursued them uh, from the gate and struck them down and so that the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Joshua, you know, he's probably very worried what is going on. And the scripture will actually say that. And God will answer Joshua and tell him why this thing has happened. You know, Joshua, again, he had really great confidence in his army and, and that God would be with them and help them win that battle. But here in chapter 7, again, verses 10 through 15, Joshua's gone out to pray to the Lord and ask what's going on. And here in verse 10, the Lord says to Joshua, Rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have taken some of the things under the ban, and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, 
The sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you any more unless you destroy all the things under the ban from your midst. Verse 13, here's God, he says, Rise up, consecrate the people, and say, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow, thus the Lord, the God of Israel, has said, There are things under the ban in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed them under the ban from your midst. In the morning you shall come nearby your tribes, and you shall be that tribe in which the Lord will take by lot and then near their families, which the Lord also will take by lot. The Lord takes and comes near those households, and the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And it is that then in one of you is taken the things under the ban shall be burned with fire, and he shall all those things belong to him be destroyed, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has disgraced this thing in Israel. So God really, he's really laid it out here pretty thick, really, we might say in our day and time. Uh, God spells it out. doesn't take the long way around the barn for Joshua. He makes it very clear, simple and, and plain fact, that somebody has taken things from the enemies that spoils of war, and the things that they have are under the ban. Because you see, God has given this commandment that they were not to do that, and it was broken. And when we break God's laws, His commands, there, there's always consequences. You see, if you and I do not follow what uh, God says to us, we could lose out on blessings in our life as well. You see, Christ would say to us today, if I'm not with you, then Satan, he can defeat you. So listen to my words and, and take care and make sure you protect yourself and obey the commands that God has given. Some people think that God gives commands to, to be a spoil, uh, spoil our fun. He doesn't love us. He doesn't want us to, to have anything in life. And that's not really true at all. Uh, God's commands are really laid out for everybody to, to have a healthy life spiritually and and really physically in some cases. He doesn't want us to suffer. He doesn't want Satan to have his way with us. But there's conditions. And God's always had those conditions no matter what time frame you would read in the Bible. And that would include us today. Let's continue reading here in chapter 7 of Joshua 16 through 19. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near by tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah near, and he took the family of Zacharias. I slaughter his name, I know, but uh, I certainly hope that he's okay with that. And he brought the family near uh, man by man, and Zebedi was taken. And he brought his household near uh, man by man, and Achim, son of Camer, son of Zebedi, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to him, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, 
and praise his name and tell me what you have done and please don't hide it from me how many times have we heard in our lifetime growing up as a, as a child and maybe even as a parent we've said it I, I know I have uh, don't hide that from me whatever you've done do not hide it it'll be worse on you if you lied to me uh, or if you don't come straight out with it but really that's that's really what's going on here this same kind of thing is being applied here by Joshua you see because Joshua knew that it was best for the nation of his people that this man just come right out and confesses his sin. Otherwise, they all will face destruction because God has already told Joshua he, he will turn his back on him and the armies uh, will run. So picking up here in verse 20, uh, the man answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle uh, a shimmer and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shackles. I coveted them and I took them. And behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. So Joshua would send messengers and they, and they ran to the tent. Behold, it was concealed in his tent with all the silver underneath it. Verse 23. And they took the information from the inside of the tent and brought him to Joshua and all the sons of Israel and they poured him out before the Lord and then Joshua and Israel with him took Achan and the son of Zerah the silver mantle the bar of gold his sons his daughters his oxen his donkey his sheep his tent and all that belonged to him and they brought them up to the valley of Achor verse 25 Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all of Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with the stones. And they raised up over him a great heap of stones that stands to this day. And the Lord turned from his, from his anger. Therefore the name of that place is called the Valley Achor to this day. This word achor, A-C-H-O-R, it means trouble. That's what that word means. And see, God, he's really made it very clear in the past. He, he's demanded that there are things that they were not to take. Or they're going to pay a consequence for it. And they did. Their army ran scared. It, it's the same thing for us today. God demands that there are things that we simply are not to do. And I know in, in our real world today, there's many groups and denominations, whatever. Uh, they say, well, you can have your best life now and everything will be fine. God loves you. And you can basically live the life that you want. And that's, that's very deceivious. That's almost demon possession there. You know, we, we really need to understand that this man who took the things under the ban... Uh, he really he really paid a price for it. It wasn't just him. So did his family and his animals. I mean, go back and read that text. I mean, everything that he had was stoned and destroyed. And God did this for a reason. And he did it for that reason that day was to show the people what they must do, and that is to obey him. He wants them to do everything that they t he tells them to do. I don't know about you, but... I, I can only imagine 
the impression that was set on the minds of the people here. Again, not, not only was he stoned, but everyone around him, his family, his daughters, they were stoned. His wife was stoned. And that lasting impression there of dead bodies being burned as well. See, God, he really doesn't like sin. And he doesn't like it when we disobey him. When we, we tell God, I can live my life, I can do what I want. And we take sin so lightly in our culture today. And I've been in many countries, and it, it doesn't seem to matter where I've been, we take sin lightly. But God does not. If he does uh, take it lightly, then Jesus needs to ask for forgiveness. There was no reason to go to the cross and die a horrible death. I, I would challenge you to study what crucifixion really does to the human body and how painful that really is. So let's pick up back up again in Joshua chapter 8 in the first two verses. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and rise up and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Verse 2. And you shall do to Ai and its king just as you did to Jericho and its king. And you shall take only its spoil, its cattle, as its plunder for yourselves, and set an ambush for the city behind it. See, this time God tells Joshua something just a little bit different. He tells him that they can take some spoil, you know, the cattle. And why did God do this? Well, I think the answer is probably fairly simple. God is telling us that he has a right under his law to tell us what we must do and what we cannot do. For our young children and adults, several things would come to mind. And the first one is this. If you want to have eternal life, you must obey the gospel. You must know what the gospel tells you. And if you're not uh, confessing Christ as your Savior, not been baptized, you're not living the best life you can, yeah. we, we need to be careful because we really do need to follow the commandments that God has laid out. And there's a promise if we are obeying. And God knows we're going to sin. He knows we're going to fall and stumble. And that's why we have grace. And His blood, if you're washed in His blood, His blood continuously cleanses you. I think the difference from a person who's really saved or not saved is you can look at them and you can see their life. You can see their tree, if it's good fruit or bad fruit. You can know that they once lived a life of being a drunkard or, or whatever, and now today they're claiming to be a Christian, and, and they're not living that life anymore. You can clearly see a change. And that's what we need to do. We need to reject the things God rejects and love and embrace the things that God loves and embrace. Something else that comes to mind, and this is really probably for our young people that are in their teen years, and of course, I guess I need to include adults here. But parents, we need to listen up. We as adults have an obligation to teach our children about a topic. And of course, that topic um, is made very clear that God says we are not to have premarital relations. We're not to sleep with people before we're married. 
And if you don't listen to this plan, I know our society says, oh, it's fun, it's free, uh, you can do it without commitments, uh, just benefits with friends, whatever. I've heard different things over the years. But if you don't want to listen to what God has said about this part of uh, our life, you could face unwanted uh, diseases, unwanted pregnancies, uh, the embarrassment and the shame that could come to your family, and of course to God. In a magazine called Seventeen years ago, I four or five years back, I was reading it. Uh, some girl had brought it to church, and I got thumbing through it. She had forgot it, and they had done a, a survey from teens on their views on sex. And this age ran from about 13 to 20. And here's some of the results that I read. 50% of the teen survey said that they had already had sex. 35% stated that they had the, the right to have as many partners as they wanted. While 25% stated that they all should have one partner. 20% had already been treated for STDs. An overwhelming majority stated that they had been educated about sex from their peers and by experimenting and not from their parents or an adult. That also their parents had spoken only briefly to them about it. I know there was parents listening and this is really needs to be a wake-up call for all of us. And no, I'm not saying that every child or teen is, is active in this department. Because the survey stated that 20% of the teens uh, said they were waiting for marriage. And God bless those 20%. And the parents who taught them that. You see, we, when we wait until marriage and we teach our children about God's promises we'll have a much more fuller and happier life with our spouses. There's many statistics. You can read them on the internet. You can just go to a search site and find it. Those who wait to have this kind of activity after they say their vows are 50% less likely to have a divorce. This applies to all of us, and we need to keep our relationships with our spouses pure and holy before God. We must honor this again. If we do not listen to God and His plan of marriage and what goes along with marriage, it will fall apart. Pornography is one of the biggest problems that this country faces in the U.S. I've read that it brings in more money than any professional sport and that's a lot of money you see there are many temptations out there in the world for our young people to reach out and touch the fact is that they are all out there for every one of us and one of them would be the use of illegal drugs many employers in the United States now cannot find people who cannot uh, pass the drug test to get in and work and people say, well, I should have a right to smoke marijuana or, or do drugs. Well, that might uh, be your thinking, but the employer does not want to take a chance of you getting hurt at work. Are you hurting somebody else and costing them a lot of money? You see, but if you don't think that your teenager uh, or even younger 
hasn't been offered to smoke pot at school or at the playground, you may not really be in touch with your child's world. His world is a lot different than what I grew up in. I work in a place that uh, was supposed to be drug-free. Don't kid yourself. There, there were people there that, that did drugs on a regular basis. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, uh, drugs probably were in school when most of us were growing up, and still more likely highly there. God also tells us that the relationship that we share with Him must also be pure and above reproach. You see, if there's sin in your life, I encourage you to confess it to God, repent, ask Him for forgiveness, and stop sinning. Rely on Him, because God wants you back, and He wants you to be with Him, and He wants all of us to be of good moral character, to be the pillars for our children and our grandchildren. There's a famous uh, saying that I heard more than once when I went through a seminary preaching school. You can teach a child mathematics, but if you do not teach them values and morals, all you have done is produced a smart thief. Our youth in this country have a high rate of suicide, violent crimes, unwanted pregnancies, involved with pornography, and the list goes on. Satan is out there. Evil is out there to destroy our children. And we need, as parents, need to help them steer away from those kind of heartaches. But if we're not doing it ourselves, our children will think it's okay for them to do it. And we need to, to make sure that we are setting the proper example. It's not easy bearing a parent. It's very hard. In so many single homes today, and and single with parents and children living in separate homes and it is a huge challenge and so I would hope and pray that all of you would would stop and think about how you're raising your family and what examples you're setting with your family and your children I'd encourage you to find a, a congregation that is teaching the entire Word of God and not just a few topics that they are teaching you to look for Jesus and His return, and that it could happen at any moment. That there is salvation and there is forgiveness in the cleansing blood, no matter what you and I have done. And I am so thankful, and you should be too. If you have any other questions or comments, we certainly would listen to them. If you would email us through our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. And there we've also started up a, uh, a page for... Uh, prayer request and if you would have a prayer request you would like us to pray about please email us at biblicalquestion.com and we are going to post those prayer requests on uh, on the internet there for all of our viewers or excuse me our listeners uh, to um, to go to and, and put on their prayer list we have people from all over the world listening to this podcast and if you don't want your uh, your name or your whole information there, please state so, and we will certainly honor that. We do not sell or give away your email address. I don't like it when people do that to me. You will not get junk from us at all. Uh, we only will respond to the email on the question that you have. Again, thank you for listening. I know there's plenty other uh, things to listen to, but you've chosen us, and all of us have busy and full schedules. 
and that you have stopped to listen to this podcast. I hope encouragement comes to you. Yeah, this is a topic that we don't always talk about, and it's some uncomfortable for us to, to always talk, and sometimes it's uncomfortable to hear. Again, thank you, and may God bless you, and may he have the glory. Mm-hmm.